Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We've been in this series uh, called Refreshing Your Soul, and what we've been doing is, for the month of June and July, is we are just walking through the book of Psalms. And so we have a reading plan. If you did not get one of those last week or the or week before last, uh, you can grab those as you leave this afternoon in the, in the lobby. Uh, but what it is, is we've just been breaking down the book of Psalms, and it's about two or three scriptures or chapters a day, and we're just going to read through uh, in June and July, the entire book of Psalms. And what we do is we oftentimes read a lot of devotionals and we read our scriptures and that's great. But we thought, you know, what a great opportunity for us to just say as a, as a church body that we're just gonna sit in the Psalms. We're gonna read it. We're gonna study it. We're gonna maybe journal about it. We'd love for you to dive a little deeper and dig into what the scripture is saying. And so each week, we're gonna be talking about one of the Psalms that we read about the, the week uh, before. So that way, if you're reading with us, you're kind of ahead of the game as we walk together. Today, I wanna talk to you from the chapter Psalms uh, 32. Psalms chapter 32. It's 11 verses. And what's happening here is David is, this is after many theologians believe after David had fallen into sin with Bathsheba. And this is months later and he's been, he's been dealing with these, these, this struggle of carrying the weight of his mistake and what he did. And uh, I want to read it to you in third, Psalms chapter 32 and verse 1. It says, blessed is the, the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my bones wasted away and I groaned all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to you uh, to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All who obey him, shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. Shout for joy, all whose hearts are pure. In this scripture, we see 11 verses where really David is walking. He's sharing about his previous life of what was happening in his life, and his life was in turmoil, and his soul was, was the Bible says, scripture says, he says, that my sin was eating away at me. It was, it was destroying his body. The body says he was groaning all day, and it shows me this, that as we read this, really David gives us a picture of what it looks like, uh, things we can do to really walk out and live and have a healthy soul. Oftentimes what we can do as humans is we can go throughout our day and we can go throughout our week and we can work hard and we can love our families and we can love our spouses and we can do our best. And in our soul, everything else can be looking healthy, but in our soul, there, there's chaos. In our soul, there's, there's this discomfort. In the soul, there's this turmoil. And, and I believe God wants all of us 
to live with a healthy soul, with joy in our heart. That's why in verse one, if you wanna read it, it says, blessed are. The term blessed here is not meaning hashtag I'm blessed, I got a new car. Ble- hashtag blessed, I got, I got a new vacation. I'm, I'm sitting on an island somewhere, hashtag blessed. That's not what he's talking about. It's the same type of, type of blessed that he talks about in the, Mount of, uh, uh, the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus in Matthew chapter uh, five. He talks about, hey, blessed are those. And what does that mean? It's this internal joy, this internal health, this joy that comes from, from within. It's not something that happens circumstantially, but it's something that's in my heart, blessed are those. And how do we get that? How do we find that healthy soul? He starts with this, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sins are covered. A healthy soul starts with people, with ones who live in freedom. A healthy soul is a soul that is free. A healthy soul is a soul that is free. And we see this. He says, my transgressions have been forgiven. He says, my sins have been removed. It's a a perfect picture of us us seeing his life and he's been walking through all this pain of this sin and this past. And he says, I've confessed it. I, I confronted it and gave it to God. And the scripture says, now, he says, blessed, this joy comes when we've been forgiven. Because of Jesus, we all know the scripture says that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he took on our sins. And so now when we confess our sins and and we look to him, now he forgives us and our sins can be removed. He says transgressions. He says four different things. He shows us, if you want to pull up that scripture again in verse one and two, he shows us four different things that we can live in freedom from. A healthy soul is one that is free. Free from what? I'm glad you asked. Four different things. It says right here, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Transgressions. And then he says, sins are covered. Transgressions and sins, two different things. People are like, oh, that's the same thing. It is, but it's not. Transgressions are perpetual. It's this perpetual disobedience, this perpetual rebellion, this perpetual mistakes. I'm sticking or sitting or staying in that sin. Then he says, sins are covered. Sin here is what he's talking about. Is this, I'm falling short. I missed the mark. So, you know, you could be living your life and you, you miss the mark, you make a mistake. That's not perpetual. You made a mistake. That perpetual is I'm making mistakes and I'm continuing to make the mistakes and I'm choosing to make mistake, the mistake. He says, listen, both of those God forgives. He releases, he covers, he removes off of our lives. Then he goes into, I love this. He says in verse two, it says, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. A healthy soul is one who is free. Free from what? Free from perpetual sin, perpetual mistakes, free from making, missing the mark, but then also free from guilt. Sin has this consequence that we call shame or we call guilt. And what can happen is this guilt can eat away at our soul because of a mistake we made to the point of where this actual sin and these mistakes can actually begin to change our identity to make us think this is who we are. Sin is not who we are. That is what we make, make fall into, and it may, it may cause us to be trapped in it or enslaved to it, but that is not who we are. And God says, listen, I want you to know, I, I, when I forgive you, I remove the sin. I remove the perpetual mistakes and the perpetual rebellion, but I also remove the guilt. The Bible says that in Christ, there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. There's no shame. There's no guilt 
in Christ. So now this weight that we can carry from sin that may have happened years ago that can try to define who we are now has been removed off of our lives. Our past does not define us. Your past, let me just encourage you, your past does not define you. The mistakes that you have made do not define you. Yes, they may have shaped some things in your life to where you've had to deal with some of the consequences of sin, but your sin does not define who you are as a human. What defines us is God's love and our relationship with him. Now, when I say he removes guilt, let me, let, let me, let me say it this way. I want to make sure we know what we're talking about here. When we say he removes guilt, we're not talking about where we never feel guilt. See, some guilt is healthy. See, what I'm talking about when he says he removes guilt is this shame portion of guilt where it's a weight on our lives, where we've, we've repented, we've asked for forgiveness, we're walking with Jesus, and we're still carrying this weight or the shame of something we've done. That's what God removes off of our lives. He doesn't remove a, a life free from guilt, meaning this. If you make a mistake and you say something ill towards your, your spouse or you say something ill towards one of your friends, you can walk away and you can feel guilt. That's healthy. That's how the Holy Spirit can sometimes convict us. It's through, our, through, through the mistake we make, we feel guilty because we know that we made a mistake and it allows us to then want to change our behavior and confess and say we're sorry. That's a healthy portion of guilt. See, I would say this, sometimes what we do as humans, we wanna run from guilt altogether because we don't wanna feel guilt. And here's what I could say, if we're not careful, then we can just, we can just allow guilt because we don't wanna feel guilty. So then we can just justify our, our act of lifestyle or our behaviors to try to get us to not feel the guilt anymore. Oh, well, this is just the way that I feel or this is just who I am as a person. And oh, I just get angry. I'm just an angry person. And so we try to justify the reason why we feel guilty because we don't wanna feel guilty. So we just wanna live and sit in our sin. And that's not the case at all. I would say this. If, if someone who, the person, I'll say it this way, the person who, who feels no guilt at all is probably the most guilty of all. Because here's what happens. Now we're not feeling any guilt, so there's no conviction. So here's what's happened. We've just become comfortable in our sin. So there's no conviction of sin, so now we're just comfortable in it. So now, like I said, now it's just, well, I just, I'm just an angry person. My, my family just knows I just get angry. And so we just get angry. And so I just have these moments where I just blow up and I go and I say, I'm sorry and I'm good and just who I am. Or I just, you know what? It's just part of who I am. Like I, the, the images that I look at on the computer, it's just, it's just part of who I am. It's part of my personality. It's just, it's just what I am. And so what happens is we start to try to justify sin because we don't want to feel guilt. No, if we, guilt is healthy when it's when we're making a mistake because what happens is then when we feel the guilt, now we can say, God, okay, this is wrong. I'm sorry. And now we can continue to walk out and live the way God wants us to live. In fact, me personally, I want to feel guilt immediately. If I say something ill towards Ashley, I don't want to six days later feel guilty from it. I want to feel guilty immediately. Why? Because then I know I'm walking close in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because when we're close to the Holy Spirit, he's going to say, no, no, that's not, that wasn't right. Ah, you, you, shouldn't have, you shouldn't have said that or you shouldn't have walked over there or you shouldn't have went over there or you shouldn't have said that to that person or treated that person that way. You, and it's quick and the guilt, and then we can repent and, we remove, and then God removes the guilt because now we've, been, we, we, we've, been given, we've given it to him in our lives. 
He removes the guilt. He removes transgressions, the perpetual. He removes the mistakes that we make. He removes the guilt, but then also, I love it. He says right here, he says, has cleared of guilt whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Here's what he removes from us. He removes also the exhaustion of a secret life. He says, a life that is lived in complete honesty. There are, there are not many things, hear me, that will destroy our soul. Actually, I'll probably say there's not anything, but there are not many things that will destroy our soul more than secret sin. Nothing will cause turmoil in our soul more than secret sin. It destroys us. This is chaos. Why? Because we're allowing darkness in our heart and we're covering it and we're hiding it. And so now we're trying to live the right way and we're, we're trying to go to church and we're trying to, to, to love our spouses and we're trying to love our friends and we're, we're trying to work hard at work and we're trying to be the light, but there's this turmoil in the inside and we have, it's darkness and we don't know what to do with it. And, and so now we're, we're playing this back and forth game. And so now we come to church and, and now we're, we, can't feel, we can't feel good about worshiping because we have this this shame or this guilt that we're walking through because of the things we've done or, or then we get into the situation and we, we, we're not feeling good about the situation because we know it's not right and so there's this turmoil in our soul. I'll say this. Sin is a sickness, okay? Sin is a sickness. And when I say a sickness, I'm not talking about, oh, it's a sickness. I mean, I'll, I'm gonna explain sickness in a minute. But I'll say this. We are only as healthy as our, as our deepest secrets, our souls are only as healthy as our deepest secrets. Here's what I have to say. Our souls will never, never get to the point of where we really want them to be and the way I believe God wants them to be when we're hiding sin in our hearts. That's why God desires for us to confess. That's why God desires for us to, to bring those things to the light. That's why God brings us community around us to walk together. Why? So that we can really be healthy in our soul. Why? Because sin is a sickness. I wanna show it to you. I wanna show you what sin does. Oftentimes, people think sin is this concept of where it's just like, oh, well, God doesn't want us to have any fun. Well, God's just the party pooper. He just doesn't know, how, like, he doesn't know what, what real excitement and fun is. And so God says we can't do all these bad things. So we can't do all these things that we think are good or bad. And so God tells us we can't do all these. So God just doesn't have any fun. Christians and churches, they're just a bunch of party poopers. That's not the case at all. Sin is a sickness and God knows this. This is why he tells us to stay away from it. Let me show it to you. The consequences of sin in verse three and four that we see in David's life. When I refuse to confess my sin, my bones wasted away. There are, there are physical consequences to sin. You ever, you ever walked with someone who was in such an addiction in their life that it was affecting them physically? It affects us to the point of where our bodies will begin to decay or our bodies will begin to rot away or our bodies, are, we, can't, we're not, we're not, we were never intended as, as, as humans, we were never intended or created to carry the weight of sin. We never were. We were created, Adam and Eve were created in the garden where there was no sin. So our hu human bodies were never meant to carry the weight of sin. So when we hide it, what we're doing is we're actually creating more weight on our own personal bodies. Never meant to do it. That's why we're not supposed to hide it or cover it. It's just my bone, bones wasted away. And I groaned all day long mentally. 
Physically, my body wasted away, and then sin affects us mentally. It literally says, and I groaned all day long. I'm mentally, I just was so miserable. I groaned all day. I know people that they've been caught up in so much, so many things that they're, they're stressed and they're caught up in your secret sin and you don't know what way to go or what to do. And so you're just all stressed out or maybe you're in a room or you're in the room or you're online and you're a young person or you're single in the room or online. And what can happen is you can get caught up in a relationship and you get yourself to that person outside of marriage and here's what happens now this this intimacy that you've created now begins to cloud our judgment mentally i've known people who have given themselves to someone outside of the covenant of marriage and then they end up going and getting married to the person just because they want to make it right and then their their life is miserable and they're torn in the inside it's all because their their mind was clouded by sin this is what sin does it's a sickness that will come and kill and destroy us the bible says that the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy so the purpose of sin is not to give or the purpose of sin is not so that we can have a good time and the purpose to stay away from sin or remove sin is not so that we can miss out on a good time. The purpose of sin is to steal, to kill, and destroy us physically and mentally. And so God says, hey, I want you to rem- I want to remove those things off of your life. I want you to remove the hidden things out of your life. Why? So that you can really be healthy in your soul. You can find life and life more abundantly. Scripture says in verse four, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. He's talking about God. His hand was heavy on him. This is what Sin does. It's a sickness. It, it affects us physically. It affects us mentally, but also spiritually. Sin creates this gap between us and God. It's this, this, this gap that we can't reach God and, and, and we, can't, we can't experience God or hear God the way we want because of the sin that's in our lives. And that's why God said, hey, I want you to remove that. Why? Because we're not able to walk intimately with him with this sin in our hearts. And so he said, hey, I want you to get rid of that stuff. Get rid of it. Remove the hidden sin in your life so that you can really walk and live the way that you desire to spiritually. Your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped in the heat of the summer. Emotionally, sin affects us emotionally. You ever been so emotionally worn out, emotionally exhausted that you, weren't, you were just unmotivated or demotivated to do anything? This is what happens. This is what sin does. It affects us physically, mentally, spiritually. And then it affects us emotionally. Check this out. To the point of where we get to the point of where there's no motivation to even try to get right. It is what it is. It's who I am. It's part of my personality. It's part of my life. It's just the cross or, or, or the cross I'm supposed to bear or just the thorn in my side. It's just part of my life. I'm just going to endure. No. That's why God says he desires for us to, to bring these things to the light, to bring them to him. Because if he, we bring them to him, we, we bring them into the light. Now what happens is we expose that and now God can begin to do something in our hearts that we never could do in our own strength. We were not meant to carry the weight of sin. So why is it so many of us are hiding sin in our hearts and all it's doing is affecting us in a negative way, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally? Just recently, uh, I was walking with a young couple 
uh, got the privilege of being the officiant for their marriage, and I did premarital counseling with them, and you know, they got married a, a while ago, and so I'm, I got to meet with one of them recently and met with them. I just said, hey, how's the, how's the marriage going? And you know, everybody, when they're newlyweds, come on, newlyweds, you're like, man, marriage is so great. You know what I'm saying? Man, marriage is, man, I'm on, I'm on cloud, and things are, things are going good. I'm like, all right, I'll check with you in six months, and we'll talk again. You know what I'm saying? And so I, they, they said, but there is one thing. I want to I talk to you about one thing. I said, okay, cool, let's talk about it. And so there's one thing I'd love to talk to you about. And like, here's what happened. Uh, we went to the store, went to Publix, and Publix was buy one, get one free on cereal. I said, I'm proud of you. You're working out your budget. Buy one, get one free. I'm glad you're thinking smart. Get the, get the, get the free one, even if it's not one. Like, well, we, ch- we chose to each, each pick one cereal. I chose Captain Crunch, and they chose Honey Bunches of Oats. I said, okay, we're doing good. You're compromising. You're working. You're figuring each other out. I like this. This was going. Like, well... Three days later, I woke up, and the Captain Crunch was almost all gone, and the Honey Bunches of Oats was completely full. And I went in there, and I said, hey, you better keep your hand out of my cereal box. Come on, married folks. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you do. I said, well, let me teach you something. And she, I said, let me tell you the number one rule of marriage. And she said, no, no, no. Or he said, he said, he said, she, I'm not going to say who. They said, They said, they said, I know what the number one rule of marriage is. I said, well, bless God. I'm glad you do. Tell me it. They said, I know what the best, I know what the number one, here's the number one rule of marriage. Next time you buy cereal, hide it from your spouse. I said, nope, that's not, nope, no, no, nope, dear, nope, dear, sir or ma'am. No, nope, nope. That is not the number one rule of marriage. I said, number one rule of marriage is you got you to you compromise. You got to, what's yours is theirs. Theirs is yours. You got to understand that. And then number two rule of marriage. Don't hide anything from your spouse. Come on, somebody. I know this story is funny, and it's part of just life and how we live, but here's what happens. Oftentimes, this is what we can do with God. It's mine. It's what I want. And so here's what I'm going to do. It's my choices. It's my decisions. So I'm going to cover it. I'm going to hide it, and it's mine. And here's what happens. All that does is create chaos and turmoil in our souls. For those that know, and you've been married long enough, when you hide something for your spouse, all it does is create tension in your relationship. It's the same thing with secret sin in our heart. It creates tension physically, emotionally, spiritually with God, and mentally. So I encourage you, as we walk through this scripture together, that you would be one to say, okay, I, I want to live healthy. Well, how do I do that? I, have to li- I live healthy by, by living free, by living free from these different situations. Verse five and six, if you pull it up for me, verse five and six. Finally, I confess all my sins to you and stop trying to hide my guilt. I said, I will confess my transgressions to you, the Lord, and you forgave in me and my guilt is gone. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach him. Okay, go back to verse five for me. Go back to verse five. Sorry, go back to verse five. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. Okay, here's what it is. Finally, I confessed. He was going through this turmoil of, of, of trying to live free and wanting to do his own. He was, his, his soul was unhealthy and his, he, was, he was decaying physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Then he says, finally, I confessed. How do, we, how do we really walk out and live with a healthy soul? A healthy soul is free, but then also a healthy soul confronts. We have to be people that are willing to confront our sin. Confront our sin. How do we confront our sin? We confess our sin. Again, does that mean that you gotta come up here and get a microphone and you gotta get up here and talk about all your deepest secrets in front of everybody? No, that's not what I'm talking about. 
I'm talking about how we confess our sins, we get alone with God, and we allow God to begin to work in our hearts and we begin to share with him and we begin to say, God, this is who, who I am and this is what I've been walking through and God, I need you. I'm sorry for this. I repent for this. This is walking in disobedience to you and it's confronting your sin. And when I say confronting your sin, oftentimes what we do as humans, it's very easy to confront someone else's sin. It's easy for us to see across the street or across the, the pond or across the, the state or across the country, whatever. It's easy for us to see other people's sins and it's easy for us to confront those sins. But we are first meant to and supposed to confront our own sins, to be bold enough in ourselves, mature enough, I'll say it this way, mature enough spiritually that we'll be able to confront and have the tough conversations about us. A mature believer is one that can have tough conversations about themselves with God. Not avoid, not blame. See, this is what we like to do. We like to avoid it or we like to blame someone else. Oh, because so-and-so did this to me or so-and-so said that or because they responded this way, that's what made me say this. No, 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 I need to confront my sin. And this is what a mature believer does. And this is how we remain healthy in our souls. It's not confronting someone else's sin. And we can talk about that in a minute, but it's confronting my own sin. It's my own disobedience. It's my own mistakes. It's my own faults. I confess. And as I do that, as I confront, as I do that, now God begins to give me a healthy soul. And now I'm an overflow from that, loving others in their sin and helping them walk out in freedom in their sin. But we like to do is we like to point fingers. And say, oh yeah, so and so. Oh yeah, well, they, oh yeah, with well, those people or that type of person or them. Oh yeah, they are the one. Uh, that's the sinners. No, 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 no. The Bible says. I want to show it to you uh, very quickly in Matthew chapter seven and verse three. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, "Let me take the speck out of your eye," when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. He says a speck of sawdust. I don't know if y'all ever cut anything or had any sawdust. Sawdust is so small. He says you, have, you see a speck in someone else's eye and then we have this plank, this log in our own eye. And it's so easy for us to want to confront the speck in someone else's eye because it makes us feel better and justify the log in our own eye and our own hearts. He says, no, first confront your sin. First, let's get to the point where we start to have the tough conversations about our sin. I wanna give you a famous quote that you, many of you probably know, but I wanna read it to you. It says, when, you, when we avoid difficult conversations, we trade, we trade short-term difficulty, oh, excuse me, excuse me, we trade short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction. I'll read it to you again, because I messed it all up. When we avoid difficult conversations, we trade short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction. And oh my goodness, if that's not sin. That we would not, not be comfortable with facing our sin and, and dealing with our unforgiveness or dealing with our bitterness or dealing with our struggles or dealing with our trust. And we just, we wanna justify it. And so instead of dealing with it and, and the discomfort of it in the moment, what we're doing is we're trading a lifestyle of dysfunction. Now our relationships aren't healthy because it's an overflow of our hurt. It's an overflow of our pain. It's an overflow of our struggle. Our souls aren't healthy, so we're miserable. Everybody else thinks we're great, but we're miserable in our soul. We're trading short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction all because we're not willing to confront our own sin and have the tough conversations with ourselves. 
It's time to have some tough conversations to evaluate ourselves. I love this. David said, finally, I got to the point as if it took him a long time for all of us. This is how we have to live our lives that we would be, okay, I wanna be healthy in my soul. How do I really do that? It's not more money. It's not more fame. It's not more followers on Instagram. It's not more, it's not more businesses. It's not more cars. It's not a bigger house. It's not more, not more kids. It's not, it's not getting married. It, uh, how do we have a healthy soul? A healthy soul is one that we say, okay, we're gonna live and walk in freedom. It's a healthy soul is one that's free, but then also one who is willing to confront and have the tough conversations in their lives. Then quickly as we get to the third point, therefore let all the faithful pray to you in verse six, while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will reach them, will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway of your life. I will advise you, I'll watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse, that, horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to keep it under control. Many sorrows come to the wicked, but unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. A healthy soul is free, a healthy soul confronts, but a healthy soul also hides, hides. Well, you just talked about not hiding sin and that's not necessarily what I'm talking about. We see in the scripture, he talks about he, he was hiding his guilt. He said, finally, I confessed it. Then he says in verse, in verse seven, I love it. It says it right here. It says, Lord, you are my hiding place. You're my hiding place. God desires for all of us to have seasons, moments of hiding. And what I mean by that is removing ourselves from the distractions of the world. I love it. It says, you are my hiding place. You protect me from trouble and you surround me with songs of deliverance. See, in the hiding place where God can begin to work in us, it's, it's, we have to be careful what we listen to. See, this is what he says. You surround me with songs of deliverance. It's almost as these songs are helping bring deliverance, bring freedom. But what we do is we're in our troubles, we're in our struggles, we're just blasting it, we're just acting like everything's fine, we're acting like everything's good, we're just listening to all the noise, and we're listening to the news, and we're listening to the articles, and, we're, uh, and we never allow, allow ourselves to get a healthy soul. A healthy soul is one who, who steps aside and is in a a hiding place, one where I love the thought of hiding because it's like hide and seek when you're a kid. You, when you hide, the purpose of it is so no one can find me. I'm in a place where no one sees me and no one hears me. It's just me and God. And now he can commune with me and I can grow and I can be challenged. I can, be, I can confront my sin and I can walk with him. And from there, he begins to do something new in my heart and refresh me like never before. I love this. He says, you're my hiding place. And then in verse eight, I love this. It says this, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your, pathway for your life. I will advise you and I'll watch over you. He, get, he does three things in the hiding place. And when we're in this hiding season with him, he guides us. See, here's what happens, and this is where our culture is. If we don't ever get away with God, and allow him to begin to guide us and lead us, here's what we do. We let the noise of everything else around us guide us. We let the pursuits of finances guide us. We let the pursuits of our feelings guide us. We let the pursuit uh, of a relationship guide us. We let, all, we, we let the pursuit of, of being on top guide us. We get all these, here's what happens. All these things become noise. And these are the things that end up guiding us. And then now we're pursuing a lifestyle that we never wanted or never thought we would pursue. But it's all because we've not taken time to get away into the hiding place and allow God to be the one to guide us in our passions and our pursuits. 
And it says he'll advise us. I love this because he allows us to get away from the voices of the world and to hear his voice. Then he says he watches over us. He looks out for us. Here's the issue if we don't take time to be, to, 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 to be in a hiding season with God. Moments in our day, moments in our weeks, moments in our months, moments in our years. Hiding place with God. Here's what happens. Instead of God looking out for us, we start looking out for ourselves. Now I'm in the job and I'm in the workplace and now I'm, I'm more concerned about having to one-up that person over there because I need that promotion or I have to make sure that I'm throwing this person under the bus because, and, and talk negative about this person because I gotta, I gotta make sure that I'm up and the boss thinks I'm doing this or in, my, in our relationship, we start to pursue the wrong relationship because I'm looking out for my own needs and so I just, it, it may not be what God wants but you know what, it's okay, I, I, they're a good person so I'm just gonna pursue and what happens is we allow our, 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 our hearts to end up trying to look out for ourselves. Well, here's the problem about that. You want an unhealthy soul? Be a soul that looks after yourself. Then we get into the hiding place. We begin to trust God and we allow God to refresh our soul. Now here's what happens. Now I'm not concerned about looking out for myself because I understand I have a God, the creator of the universe, who the very words that he spoke created the entire universe. Now, he's looking after me. So guess what? He can speak a promotion into my life. He can speak a spouse into my life. He can speak children into my life. He can speak uh, joy into my heart. He can speak whatever it is that I'm trying to look after myself about now. I can step away into the hiding place and I allow God to refresh me and I can trust him and I let him do the work as I walk with him. A healthy soul is free. A healthy soul confronts and a healthy soul hides. Lastly, as we close in verse 11, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing you, yeah, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. This is another translation right here. It says rejoice in the Lord and be glad all who obey him. Shout for joy all whose hearts are pure. Shout for joy, rejoice. A healthy, a healthy soul rejoices. Rejoice in the Lord. Be glad. I love this. God, I don't know what matter what the situation is, I'm gonna rejoice and celebrate you because I know that you are good. I love David here because he says rejoice and be glad. See, some of us, we're, we, can, we can do the rejoicing part because we've been in church long enough. We know like, yeah, okay, we gotta praise you. Praising you, God. Woo! Yeah, the job, it's great. Woo! Yeah. Love it. Woo! School. Oh, my goodness. God, school is so good. Woo! Yeah. Yeah, God, this relationship. Woo! It's good. Yeah. Woo! God, I love being single. Yeah, God. At least one person thinks I'm funny. Thank you. We can get real easy with the rejoicing, but here's the thing. I love David. He says, rejoice and be glad. 
Meaning, don't just say it. I need you in your heart to know it's okay. I'm going to be all right. Things are going to be work out. God's got me. He's under control. I'm going to trust him. And so now I can put on a smile, not faking it till you make it. No, I can put on a smile because I know even though my situations aren't good, I'm rejoicing in a God that is. Rejoice. So many people in our world today, our souls are so unhealthy. Our souls are in turmoil and our souls are in chaos and our souls are, are, are being torn apart and many people don't know why. And I love that David gives us a, just a quick glimpse of what it looks like to, to really have an unhealthy soul and to make that flip and that switch to really walk and live with a healthy soul. How do we do that? A healthy soul is free. Free from sin, free from transgressions, free from guilt and free from secret sin in our hearts and a healthy soul is one who's confronting, is willing to have the tough conversations with themselves. A healthy soul is one that hides. Says, I'm not gonna let the noise be the thing that, that guides me and leads me and advises me and watch out, out for me, but I'm gonna let it be God. So I'm gonna let this hiding, this process of where I don't need to be seen, I don't need to be heard. I'm gonna get with him and as I get with him, he is the one that cares for me, and a healthy soul rejoices. Rejoicing is a perspective. Rejoice and be glad. So no matter what the situation, no matter what it is, I'm gonna, my perspective is I understand he's good, and so I'm gonna continue to sing praises to him, to shout praises to him. This is one of the reasons why we'd sing worship songs on a Sunday morning corporately. It's not just so that we can sing some good songs and you can be like, man, they got good voices. No, we do that so we can collectively come together and give you an opportunity to, to rejoice in who he is no matter what our situations have been happening during the week. And it gives us an opportunity not just to do it on Sunday, but to motivate us to do it on a Monday, to motivate us to do it on Tuesday when the boss comes in and says, hey, I want you to know you really, really, really need to shape it up and everything in your soul wants to just be, wants to go down and be deflated and defeated. No, you have a God that you can say, no, I'm gonna rejoice in the Lord. Why? Because I know he is good. Even though my situation may not be, he is. Let's be a people. Let's get close. Let's be a people as we walk together. Let's be a church, a body of believers, individuals that really get to the place of where we start to really even evaluate our souls. A lot of times we can just go, 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 go. And sometimes we are so afraid of our own soul and what we'll find that we purposely go, 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 go. So we don't ever have to get to the point where we do evaluate our souls. Why do I think this way? Why do I feel this way? Why do I get frustrated when this happens? Why do, I, why do I feel this way when I get around this group of people? Why? And we need to begin to evaluate our souls. Why? Because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if we do this, what's gonna happen is God's gonna begin to refresh us in a new way and we're gonna find a new type of life with him that we've never found before, all because we're willing to get to the place where we say, I wanna confront some things. I wanna have some tough conversations with myself. Maybe I have been responding in a way that because of that hurt that happened years ago. Maybe I have been thinking this way about this situation because of something that happened or because of the way that I feel about something. Maybe it is all, maybe I need to just, God, I need to have conversation. I need to get to the hiding place. And God, what are you saying about me and my soul? Because God knows best for us. And I love it. In verse eight, he said, you know, I know the, he gives us the best pathway to life. Meaning this, that there are other pathways, but he gives us the best pathway. 
so as we walk with him and as we allow ourselves to be free in him and, and confront things with him and as we hide with him and as we allow ourselves to rejoice in him, we're going to find a soul and a healthy soul like we never have before. And I'm telling you, God will begin to do things in us and through us like never before. Let's be a people that are willing to say, I'm mature enough to start evaluating. And if I need to, confront. Because I know it's what God's called me to. Amen? Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me as we pray this morning?